Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and you know what day it is. It's May 5th, of course, 2020, which means I'm on day 143 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, movies, news, music, sports, entertainment, food, and all things except politics. Now, I got to start off with this list Google provided me with the stupidest questions people ask on this day. Now, obviously, number one stupid question, when is Cinco de Mayo? It's on Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May, you idiot. Another one is, when is Cinco de Mayo in Portland, Oregon? God, I'm sorry. That's embarrassing. It's still on Cinco de Mayo in Portland, Oregon. Stupid questions like that that come up on Google that just embarrass me. Now, obviously, Cinco de Mayo is the same day everywhere. Another stupid question listed on this long, long list of stupid questions. I can't even say them all. It would take my whole podcast up. Was... Is Cinco de Mayo a day to celebrate mayonnaise? As in mayo. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo. I mean, that's I mean that's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. That's actually hilarious. But no, it has nothing to do with mayonnaise. And actually, technically speaking, it's more of an American holiday anyways because the Day of Independence for Mexico, I believe, is September 16th. And here, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo as a Mexican Independence Day, when that's not even what it is anyways in Mexico. In Mexico, they celebrate Cinco de Mayo for the day that they pushed out the French from the city of Puebla in a battle that one year later, the area was regained by the French anyways. But within five years of that... Mexico had gained their full independence from Spain. So this was kind of a, you know, a preemptive prepped strike to eventually take their own land for what it is, which is now sometimes considered a bit of a shithole. But I will say this. There's some beautiful parts of Mexico. I'm sure they're going to be having a good time today on Cinco de Mayo. But it is more celebrated here in the States. So people are going to be buying bottles of tequila, drinking, that's right, Corona, and enjoying their Tecate lights. And guess what, folks? It's also Taco Tuesday. When does this ever happen? So not only is Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday, but we've also got our plans ruined by something called Coronavirus. What a co-winky dink. Now, folks, I did say earlier in one of my episodes that there will be a meat shortage. Now, I didn't think it was going to happen as fast as it has, and it has for even some fast food chains. Now, one in five Wendy's has reportedly run out of beef. So don't worry. You can get the Baconator 
with only bacon, but no beef. Now, one of the reasons this is, especially for Wendy's, is that they have always had fresh beef to cook their burgers. They're not frozen patties like Burger King. They're not weird, steamed-out, reheated, flat, nasty things like McDonald's. They actually take raw ground beef each day at Wendy's, shape them into squares, which is kind of gross, and then cook them to order. Now, they're not doing that because they don't have any beef and they don't have any square-shaped patties, so I don't know what they're serving. Frosties? Chicken sandwiches? Salads? But I gotta say, when I go to Wendy's, I want a burger. Now, it's not the best burger chain anyways. In-N-Out Burger's better. You know, what a burger sometimes, depending on which one you go to, pretty good. Even Burgerville in the Pacific Northwest. But it's only a matter of time before these places run out too. Because I know there's a giant stockpile of frozen beef that they can use. But once that runs out, they're going to be in the same boat as Wendy's. So they need to figure this out. Now, it's not that there's a lack of cows. I mean, we already know there's a ton of cows. Because we're pouring out 30 million gallons of milk a day in waste because we can't sell it fast enough since there's no exporting of milk happening right now in our country. Therefore, if there's that much milk being wasted, then there's got to be that much beef out there somewhere. Let's figure out a way to get it to the fast food chains so that broke-ass peeps can still get their Baconators from Wendy's and it doesn't have to only have pork. I personally have not eaten at Wendy's in a very long time. I really don't eat fast food at all. But if I can't get my own ground beef to make my own burgers at home, that's when I'll start to be sad too. Because I consider myself the king of burgers. I like to take some ground beef, season it up, and then make some smash burgers with it. Even with a little super finely diced onion in the ground beef mixture to give it a nice crispy coated edge on each side of the patty and just smash them and cook them on a flat top or in a pan, wherever you want, and just make sure it's got a crispy edge on each side and then double or triple the patties. No need to make a big, thick, giant patty that's like medium because I personally don't like medium ground beef. It's not quality meat as it is. So why would I want medium ground beef. That's all the chopped up parts of the meat they can't sell in steaks and other things. So I make a couple smash burgers, slap some cheese on it at the end of its cook, let that cheese melt over the top, and there you have it, folks. A good burger. What I personally add to mine is bacon, avocado, cheddar, sometimes Swiss instead, sautéed mushrooms, onions, you know, the works. Lettuce, I don't like tomato, pickles, bada boom, bada bing, got yourself a good burger. I like some barbecue sauce on mine. I make my own barbecue sauce. It's the best in the world. Barbecuesion, original, sweet and smoky, Kansas City style with a Baja Cali Fusion. That, to me, is the ultimate burger. And as long as I still have access to that, I'm a happy guy. Well, folks, we already knew Steve Ballmer was on the brink of finally 
and absolutely purchasing the LA Forum from the New York company Madison Square Garden Incorporated, whatever it's called. Which means that to no yesterday on Monday, he officially finalized the payment of four hundred million for the LA Forum, which gives him full access to the area surrounding it in Inglewood to build the brand new LA Clippers basketball arena so they will no longer have to share it with the LA Fakers. Now, I am super excited about this. This will mean I don't have to go to the Staples Center right next to downtown LA in order to see the Clippers play in an arena that's completely decked out with purple and gold. I will now get to see jerseys from ex-Clippers players hanging on the rafters and no longer Kobe this and Shaq that and all this crap that I always have to see when I go to the Staples Center. It'll be great. Now, it'll still be a couple years, if not a few, especially with this coronavirus crap happening, before we see the stadium built and players actually playing games in there. But Steve Ballmer says this will ensure, with his owning the LA Forum too, that it'll remain a music venue. The old LA Forum, they're going to keep it. They're going to have music, live music events there. That'll be great, which will allow the LA Clippers' new arena to solely be used for NBA games, which will be even better because right next door is SoFi Stadium, the new, I guess, Rams-slash-Chargers football stadium, which to me, it just seems like one of those teams is going to, you know, burn away or leave somehow, some way to another city. I just, it doesn't make sense to me that they're going to share a stadium while there's so many other major cities in the United States that don't have an NFL football team that could easily house one. However, at this time, SoFi Stadium is the home of both the Rams and the Chargers, and it looks amazing. So there's going to be the latest and greatest, most state-of-the-art football stadium next to what I'm sure Steve Ballmer will ensure will be the best and latest and greatest basketball arena next to the old circular piece of crap LA Forum that is only to be used for small concerts. Well, I guess not that small, but still. It will be outshined, I'm pretty sure, by the new football and basketball arenas and stadium. And that will be impressive stuff. A lot of money is on the line here, but I believe he's making the right choice. The Clippers have gained ground as a team with a lot more fans than they once had. They're growing. They have a strong backing with Jerry West at the helm. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. Now, we all know that one of the things people laughed at that Trump has done in his presidency is created the Space Force. Yes, Space Force was created as as an American military branch for the unknown, you know, for out there in the cosmos, when people start battling over who owns what planet in our solar system, we will be ahead of the game 
with the Space Force. Now, it is hilarious, so funny, in fact, that there's now a show coming out starring Steve Carell called, you guessed it, Space Force. Now, it looks to be a coming-of-age, The Office, mixed with a little bit of almost Futurama, sort of New Age jokes that you would expect to hear from somebody who actually works in the Space Force industry. Steve Carell is the leader of the gang in this Space Force show, and we already know he's awesome in almost everything he does. There's been a couple, you know, semi-serious movies he's been in that I just don't prefer. But everything from 40-year-old Virgin to Anchorman to The Office itself, which was a great show, is enough to just give us hope that this show will be awesome. You know, I'm almost positive we'll see some funny stuff happening, and either way, the whole idea of a Space Force is pretty comical at this point, but in 20 years, will it be? Maybe it was smart to be ahead of the game here, to to jump the gun, if you will, because when people begin to colonize Mars, there needs to be a separate military branch that specializes in interplanetary space travel and conduct itself out in the great unknown. Therefore, I believe the Space Force, as stupid as it sounds, is necessary and will be a hilarious comedy starring Steve Carell. You can begin streaming it on May 29th, the end of this month. So, you know, set your Netflix requests early or prepare yourselves and mark your calendars. May 29th, Space Force starring Steve Carell. Police pulled over somebody who said they were driving from Utah to California to purchase a Lamborghini. They were driving in an SUV. And when police finally got to the driver's side window to talk to this individual who was swerving and going about 30 miles an hour on the freeway. It was a five-year-old boy. A five-year-old boy hopped into his mom's SUV with $3 in his pocket and started to drive from Utah to California to buy himself a Lamborghini. Yep. Now, I gotta say, when I was five, there is no chance I could even fit in a vehicle and drive it. I was teeny. My my daughter is five right now. She is small. She would not be able to put her foot on the pedals and still look above the steering wheel. I mean, this kid is a beast of a kid. Check it out online. It's hilarious. There's a picture of the size of the kid. Obviously, they don't show his face because that's not acceptable as he is only five years old. He apparently got into an argument with his mother about her not buying him a Lamborghini. So what does he do? He steals her SUV and drives from Utah on his way to Cali to buy his own Lambo with three bucks. 
Now, for some reason, I just feel like this kid's going to get some sort of race car endorsement or commercial for Lamborghini or something's going to happen where they'll set up a GoFundMe account to get this kid a Lambo and he's going to be rolling in one before he's even 18, I guarantee. But right now, on his juvenile record, he will have a, I guess, driving without a license I mean, do you even charge a five-year-old kid with something like that? I mean, can you? When you put it in his file, I mean, do you even create a file for a five-year-old? I'm not, I'm not getting what the next step is here. And what did the cop do? It's not like he cuffed him. He probably just said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, young boy. You know, I'll call your mother to come get you. And I'm sure she had to Uber down there so she could drive the SUV back. You know, what a crazy son to have. That mom's got her hands full. He's five, he's already stealing cars. What's going to happen when he's ten? It's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we've all been waiting for, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by Pita Timothy Hankst and Barbecues, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N, a fusion of Kansas City-style smoked meats and sides and Baja Cali flavors and spices. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story in its entirety. I believe I've told some of this here and there, but I'm going to tell you the whole thing about when I worked at Subway. Now, this is going to ruin Subway for a lot of you. So if if you like Subway, then just don't listen to this story because you're not going to like it afterward. So when I was originally first charged with a felony for marijuana in Oregon before it was legalized. I was set out on the street on five years probation with a portion of my probation saying that I had to have a job right away. That was, that was one of the requirements. Either I get a job in the first like month or I go to jail for a probation violation. It was ridiculous. It's like you give me a felony, which no one's going to hire a felon, especially when it says distribution of a controlled substance and nothing about weed, which is what it was. 100%. I've only ever smoked weed. I don't do other drugs. I sold weed, got caught, and got a felony. So I tried to apply everywhere. And if if you have a stack full of applications and one out of the whole stack has, I'm a convicted felon for distribution of a controlled substance, you're going to throw that one in the garbage right away. If you need to dwindle down your stack to some very, you know, some people that you would actually hire, the first person getting out of the stack is the felon. Gone. I mean, if I'm hiring, I'm not hiring the felon if there's a bunch of people that aren't felons that are applying for the same job. So getting a job was ridiculously difficult for me. Now, I knew a guy whose dad was friends with the owner of a subway. So through my friend and through his dad and through his dad's friend, they hired me at Subway right across the street from the absolute shithole apartment complex I was living in where they allow felons to live because felons can't live anywhere and they can't get a job anywhere. Crazy, right? What do you expect them to do? Go sell weed again? Well, I can't do that or I'll get in more trouble. So I lived the shitty life that they wanted me to live. And I got a job at Subway. And things weren't that bad. You know, I was working there. It was embarrassing. It was because it was in my hometown. I knew everybody who came in there. 
people would see that it was me and they'd be laughing and whatever. But I did it because I knew I needed to have this job. But sometimes at this specific subway, there would be people that worked with me that were just slackers. I'm talking five minutes before they were supposed to show up for their shift, they would call out and I would be the one stuck to cover their four hours so they could have that time to get somebody else to come in four hours early and then we would each only have to work four extra hours over the original eight or nine that we already had scheduled. So you would end up working a 12-hour shift at Subway, which is terrible. I'm just, you know, it's so boring. You just stand there and make sandwiches. It's not fun at all. But the worst part about the whole job was prepping in the morning. Because then you got to see what the ingredients looked like before you fancied them up and put them out on the display thing where people could see them. I mean, some nasty stuff goes on at Subway. And one thing in particular which I'll never forget is the way that the uh, the roast beef came in the packages. So the roast beef at Subway is already obviously pre-cooked, but they want it to still be a little bit bloody because that's the way roast beef should be, right? It's got some red in there. You know, it's not fully cooked all the way. It's basically like having some some prime rib thinly cut on your sandwich. Now, how can a giant corporation send out large shipments of not fully cooked beef without it going bad? How do you wonder? Well, I'll tell you how. They put them in bags of this goo, like this gelatinous, bloody, weird liquid stuff that it would be floating in. And what you would do is you would take the bag of roast beef, stab the bottom of the bag with a knife, and drain out all this nasty, bloody crap before you would set the now a little bit drier batch of meat into the display area where people would then see you pile it onto their sandwiches. So no one would ever witness the gooey shit that came out of the bags that the roast beef floated in which I actually ate before this. I used to get the club from Subway. Now what I get from Subway? Nothing. I won't eat there. It's all disgusting. Now I remember one of the guys prepping stuff in the morning would take his butcher's knife and start cutting things. And then when, you know, he wanted to switch from one item to the next, he would smear the butcher's knife on the garbage can top. You know, like... Smear it on the rim of the garbage can, scraping off whatever onions or lettuce or something that was left from the other thing he was cutting, and then immediately begin cutting something else without cleaning the knife. Just just start cutting cucumbers or whatever. You know, this is disgusting. You know, like, how can you do sick and twisted crap like this? It's just nasty. Not to mention the other liquid in the other bags of meat, and just... The fact that people didn't wear gloves when they were supposed to, and then they finally wore gloves when they were out in the main area because people could see them. The things that happen behind closed doors are gross. But that's not even why I quit. So on the day of my 19th birthday, I'm working at Subway. I got a lot of friends at that time in my life. I'd sold weed for two years, two plus years, from 16 to 18 and a half or something. 
And I had collaborated just, I'm talking hundreds of friends. So my core group of maybe 30 friends wanted to throw me a fat party. We would get drunk all day. We would hang out, smoke weed, all the things we did. But I couldn't do it because I was stuck at Subway until like 6 p.m. But I knew getting off at 6, I'd still have time to go party it up. It'd be fun. I would have a great time. I had all these people waiting. And then what happened, of course? Somebody called out five minutes before their shift started and said they couldn't show up until, or a relief person wouldn't be there until after 10 p.m. And then I could leave. And I proceeded to explain to them that it was my birthday and I'd already been there for eight hours, so... Fact is, I'm just not really looking to, to stay there for four, maybe five more hours until they situate this. I, I just can't do it. It's my birthday. And, you know, when you're 19 and it's your birthday, you care about nothing except partying it up with your friends. You're not concerned about what happens to the subway. You know, you're not worried, oh, are they going to have enough coverage for their nighttime rush at this little sandwich shop I work at? No, I didn't care about that. So I flat out told the manager 100%. I was like, hey, man, I'm done. Here's my little apron. You know, here's my little subway hat. Here's my freaking subway shirt. You can have that back too. I'm out. It's my birthday. Fire me if you will. Piss off. Sure enough, the guy was like, the second you walk out that door, you can kiss your career at Subway goodbye. Well, I blew a kiss to Subway on my way out saying goodbye to my career there, which I'm glad I did because shortly after that, I actually got a job at a restaurant that had tips and other things like that, which led me to make a lot more money. But I got to admit, there was no possibility that Subway was going to keep me from partying on my birthday when I was 19. Hell no, not going to happen. So I was out and I admit that it was kind of rude to the people who got me the job. I shouldn't have done that. I felt bad. But it's not like they cared. It wasn't their subway. It was a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. So in the end, lesson to be learned here is do not eat at Subway. It's disgusting. Only eat there if you don't care about disgusting crap. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope you're staying healthy. And now I'm not going to say... Stay home and stay safe because get out there. You know, things are reopening. Take a stand. Go to the park if it's open or the beach if you're near it. Or do something that doesn't keep you in your home anymore because I think it's all over. Things are going up and the COVID-19 has officially begun to pass. I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, when I was young... There was a couple rappers that rapped fast. There was Busta Rhymes, you know, there was Tech 9 there was Twista. But there was also a lesser known fast rapper by the name of Drag On, not Dragon, Drag On, from the Rough Riders. Now, most Rough Riders and all that stuff is terrible. It's just garbage. Led by DMX, who sucks donkey balls. But there is... A pretty good rapper by the name of Dragon, who even did a song with Twista to show you how they both can rap fast. So I'm going to play it for you for fun, to bring back some memories if it will. It's called 
Twisted Heat by Twista and Dragon. Shit. You can make me put it all night and stand in there for the crib with that gasoline and that lighter. That way we won't miss her. 